Good evening and welcome to the Surreal Squad. My name is Tiffany Calloway and unfortunately my two besties will not be able to be on the podcast this week as they are both sick and not feeling up to um, doing an episode with me so I thought I would go ahead and do a true crime episode Um, but I do want to give you guys kind of a disclaimer. Um, This will be um, kind of a twisted story and it's probably not safe for children to listen to it, so if, um, I just thought that you guys probably should know that. But um, I am going to go ahead and jump into this story, um, and I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I enjoyed researching it. It is sad, don't get me wrong, it's very sad, but it is um, pretty, pretty interesting. And this case also takes place here in um, northeast, northeastern... Oklahoma. Um, So without further ado, I'm just going to jump right in. Laura Bible and Ashley Freeman were best friends from kindergarten and they were inseparable. Despite having different um, interests in life, they were very, very close and just clicked pretty much from kindergarten. Um, Now, Ashley Freeman's parents, Kathy and Danny, had a son before they had Ashley, and his name was Shane Freeman. Um, He was born in 1981, and then Ashley was born in 1983. It is rumored that Danny um, was abusive um, to his family. Um, There are some claims that he was abusive to his son, um, but those um, claims... He basically told the school one day when he, when Shane showed up to the school and he had um, bruises on him, that it was just um, discipline because um, Shane was acting out. Um, it is also rumored that Danny had um, a drug prop problem and also grew marijuana on his property. Um, Due to the claims that were put against Danny, he was um, charged with physical abuse and um, basically DHS came and um, took um, Shane and um, Ashley um, away from Danny and they just lived basically with Kathy. Even though the marriage was rocky, a lot of the time Ashley would spend her time with friends or with the Bibles just because of the way that the household was before Danny was um, charged with these physical abuse charges. Um, And it even says um, with the research that I did that Laura was um, prohibited from spending the night at the Freemans just because of how rocky the household um, atmosphere was. Um, so this story is really, it's really kind of sad. Um, not even kind of, it is really sad because, um, Kathy and Danny end up losing, uh, their firstborn son, Shane, um, in 1999, at the beginning of 1999. Um, uh, it was stated basically that because of the rocky, um, situation with his parents, Shane would, um, lash out and he would go on to kind of become a little bit of an outlaw in the area. Um, he would steal cars 
and um, leave them um, abandoned in woods and stuff like that. Um, but on a uh, cold uh, January morning um, in 1999, deputy, uh, I'm sorry, not deputy, <laughs> Shane was um, uh, pulled over, or he had some car trouble on the side of the road, and someone from um, the Welch area pulled over beside him and asked him if he wanted to ride. Shane said no. Um, but then the deputy of the county later on came by and basically, um, they had a confrontation and the deputy ends up shooting and killing Shane, um, and, uh, and killing him. Um, now the autopsy that was done concluded that he was shot in the back of his body, which then told his family and, um, his family's friends basically, that the deputy that shot him um, didn't do it out of um, safety. It was just done because Shane was pretty much um, just kind of... He had a bad reputation with the local police department, let's just say that. Um, And so because of this... um, the Freemans um, then filed a lawsuit against the local police department, um, regardless of the fact that Shane's death was um, concluded that it was justifiable, that um, his death was justifiable. Um, so then Danny Freeman, as a grieving father, um, then begins to follow the deputy and uh, goes to his house and watches his children play outside. Um, I believe his, the deputy's children were about the same age as Shane, um, who at the time was, I think, 17. Um, so there was just, Danny just was, I guess he was just really grieving and he just went around it the whole, the wrong way. Um, And there was actually, like, a really big feud between Danny Freeman and the police department because they had, basically, they believed, um, that the local police department just had it out for Shane. Um, they didn't believe anything that the the police department were saying about Shane being, um, like, reckless and out of control. Um, so he just basically kind of disregarded anything that the police said, um, and uh, basically, like I said, began following his children, and um, there was just a lot of tension and conflict there. Um, Danny then went on to tell his brother, Dwayne, that if anything were to happen to him, to look into the police because of um, just the, the big feud that was, was between the local law enforcement and the Freemans. Um, so they end up, you know, obviously they, they bury their son and they grieve him. And then, um, the story of Laura and Ashley then begins at the end of the year 1999. Um, Ashley Freeman, she was said to be active, outgoing, intelligent, and worked at part-time at Roscoe's, a convenience store here in Welch. Um, she was, um, 
very out, like I said, very outgoing, outdoorsy, and she was loved by everybody. Um, just kind of just a real extrovert while Laura, on the other hand, was artistic. She loved makeup and she had plans to go to cosmetology school. Um, so they were, like I said, they had different, um, different likes, um, and different things that they loved to do, but they were just like, they were really good friends. Um, so it was Ashley's birthday, December 29th. Um, Ashley was turning 16 and Laura had convinced her parents to, um, let her spend the night at the Freeman's house because it was Ashley's birthday. So after eating out, um, with Ashley's mother, Ashley, Laura, and Kathy, they go out to, um, Pizza Hut in Venita, Oklahoma. And then, um, afterwards they meet up with, um, Ashley's boyfriend at the time. They go to Walmart and just do some shopping. And then, um, they then go to the Freeman house to just, just to kind of like chill out and do whatever. Um, and then it's said that Ashley's boyfriend left the Freeman residence around 9.30. And, um, he even mentions, I think a couple times in a couple documentaries that have, um, been aired that, uh, the girls had, they both had errands to run in the morning, so they weren't planning on staying up too late, um, And so they were just, they were basically chilling out and then they, you know, were doing girl stuff and then they were going to bed. Um, but obviously those, um, those errands never got done because, uh, the fateful night on December 29th. Um, so it said, um, that around five o'clock in the morning, a passerby, um, drove by the Freeman's house and saw the house was engulfed in flames and they called 911. Um, and immediately, um, the first responders and firefighters and, you know, the police department, they basically go up to the house and they start an investigation, um, in the remains of the house, but it's basically in ruins. Um, it's basically ash. So they go in and they investigate and they start searching for, um, anybody that might still be in the house. Um, they, I think they spent like a whole day, um, after informing, um, Laura Bible's parents, they spent the whole day, um, searching the remains for the girls and, um, just any survivors of the house fire. Um, unfortunately they did not find any survivors. Um, the girls were never found at the house. Um, but they did find the remains of Kathy Freeman, who was shot in the back of the head with a shotgun, um, basically execution style. Um, so after like a full day of searching, they, they basically just tell the Bibles that, um, they are confident that there are no more bodies out there and that they're now actively investigating Danny Freeman as the suspect of, um, the murder of Kathy Freeman. Um, so the Bibles, keep in mind, they know about the feud between the local police department and the Freemans, and they are not, they're not really trusting that, um, a full investigation is going on. Um, so against the police, uh, department's wishes, they go out to the Freemans residence and they start searching, 
um, just to get some kind of clue, um, maybe to find some closure and, and see if they, they might be able to find, um, the girls. And it's said in multiple, um, interviews and documentary, um, shows that after five minutes of searching the Bibles, um, Laureen and Jay are able to find, um, the remains of Danny Freeman under some rubble and he had, um, footprints from the police department all over him. Um, and there was just like soot every, everywhere. And there was like actual evidence that he had been like stepped on, but, um, Danny was also declared dead. Um, he also had an execution style, um, shotgun wound to the back of the head. Um, so he was then no longer, um, considered a suspect. Um, so then they go on to, um, basically, like, after they've, um, ruled out Danny as a suspect, um, they start looking into other possibilities, and one possibility that, um, a couple people came up with was that Ashley had a rocky relationship with her dad, and she had about $4,000 saved up secretly. She didn't let her dad know about it at all, and, um... So, in order to get away from her parents, um, she murdered them and just took her best friend, Laura, with her, and they went off and explored the world together. Um, this was actually discounted, um, because Ashley loved her parents regardless of the rocky relationship that they had, and, um, it was just highly unrealistic to think of the, think of it happening like that. Um, so after those rumors had been disclaimed and everything, um, more rumors flew around, um, that the girls were sold into, um, sex trade and investigators went as far as, um, traveling to New Mexico to see if they could identify a particular set of girls, um, that they had, that, um, I think that the FBI had found or something. And, um, they came back with, they they came back with, came back with negative results. I'm sorry, I'm getting so tongue, tongue twisted. Um, so then, uh, a couple years go by, um, it's now 2002 and, um, there are a couple suspects that are arrested and they are in prison at this time. Um, Tommy Sells and Jeremy Jones both confessed to murdering the girls, um, but eventually they both recount their confessions. Um, Jeremy Jones claimed that he murdered Kathy and Danny because of a drug debt that Danny had, um, then took the girls to Kansas where he shot them and threw their bodies into an abandoned mine. Um, now a lot of people suspect that this is Pitcher, Kansas, um, just because there's a lot of mines there that, um, there's a lot of mines there and it's pretty much, um, I think it's illegal to go there any, anymore just because the, the ground is pretty much unstable. Um, so although searches were done, uh, no bodies were ever recovered, um, around the mines. Um, and then, um, so the bodies, um, they, they were searching for the bodies and after it was 
basically found out that they didn't have anything. Um, Jones then um, recounted his confession and said that he um, just made it up so that he could get better food and more phone privileges in prison. Pretty shady, my guy. Pretty shady. Um, Then uh, Jeremy Jones... um, He was also another uh, convict that was arrested. Um, Hey guys, sorry about that. I had to take a really quick water break, but I'm back and I'm just going to jump right back in and pick up where we left off. So um, it's 2002 and convicted killer um, Tommy Sells... Um, basically tells the police that he stabbed a teenage, uh, he stabbed a teenage girl in Del Rio, Texas, um, December 29th. And, um, uh, he also tells them that after he had done that, he was just basically driving in the area, um, around the Welch Benita area and randomly just picked, uh, the Freeman's house and went in and, and murdered the parents and took the girls. Um, his story does not check out. Um, there's, there's nothing, there's no proof in the pudding, if you will. Um, a lot of the, the stuff he was saying was not, um, it didn't go with the case. The, there was just nothing that stood in his case, uh, in his confession at all. Um, so then moving on to Jeremy Jones, um, Jeremy was released from jail that same night, but then arrested again on December 30th, 1999, the morning of the murders at 4 a.m. And he was arrested for drug paraphernalia and drunkenness, 18 miles from the Freeman residence. His crimes were very similar to the Freeman murders. Um, and he even goes on to say that he was also, he was friends with Danny Freeman and Danny Freeman was um, also a friend of Charles Kreider, which was a friend of Jeremy Jones. Um, now, Charles Kreider, he was a drug dealer and a convicted killer. Um, so, basically, Jeremy tells um, the police that Danny owed Charles um, money for drugs. And, um, basically he went to the Freeman residence to get the money that was owed from, um, Danny to Charles. Um, he says that Danny owed money, um, he owed as much as $20,000, but then recanted and said it was about $5,000, um, which is oddly really close to the amount that Ashley Freeman had saved, um, and had secretly stashed. Um, and it's also important to note um, a couple things about the uh, morning of the murder. Um, Laura Bible's purse was found in Ashley's room as well as her wallet. Um, but the money that Ashley had saved up that was around $4,000 was missing. So um, keep that in mind. Um So, back to Jeremy's confession. He says that he looks in the Freeman home and couldn't find the money. Um, So, he was frustrated and he went back to his truck to go get his shotgun, shot the parents where they were sleeping, and this woke up Laura and Ashley. 
and um, I guess in the middle of him, of Jeremy scattering the clothes and the accelerant, they confused him with a good Samaritan, um, and I guess this is, it had already happened to where um, Jeremy had already, like, lit the fire, um, so they, they confused him with being a good Samaritan and, and thought that he was um, trying to help. Um, but he basically tricks them into getting his truck by telling them if you get in the truck and, you know, we go together to town, I will help you guys get somebody to get this fire out that's, you know, um, engulfing your home. Um, but unfortunately, um, this is not what happened. Um, he basically says that um, he tricked them and took them to a secluded spot um, sexually assaulted one of the girls and um, then one of the other girls tried to get away um, he shot both of them um, and then when the police tried to get him to basically show them where he put the bodies um, they were nowhere to be found um, and so as, as soon as he basically caught on to the fact that he was um, no longer interesting, interest, interesting, interesting, <laughs> the police, um, he recounted it as well as 13 other crimes that he had confessed to. Um, so it was really kind of shady, shady. That was really shady. My guy, Jeremy, come on, Jeremy. Why, why, why? This is something that, like I never understand is like, why do you have to make things so complicated? Like, think about the families and think about, like, where they are coming from. They need closure. They need to find their daughter or at least find some sort of peace that either, like, their daughter is at peace or that she's okay. And people like this that just take advantage of people just uh, sickens me. But anyways... Um, so fast forward 16 years, and in that 16 years, nothing has really come, um, to, like, no tips have come through, um, and if they have, they've come to the police, and the police haven't handled it. Um, and in this, this frustrating time, um, Laureen Bible sets up a Facebook page called Find Laura Bible, um, and she begins re- receiving um tips from people from all over the um the the county and uh, in the surrounding areas um so 16 later 16 years later a witness a woman uh claims that she saw lore bible in a vehicle around 3 30 or 4 a.m um looking horrified um but she also states that um, she didn't come forward with this information sooner because she was afraid um, that if her name became public that um, something might happen to her family or her. Um, so that tip came in and then, excuse me, again in 2016, um, uh, she gets a tip from somebody to check a whale up. Sorry, not a whale. <laughs> <laughs> a well in Chautauqua, Kansas. Um, Chautauqua is not very far from Welch. I don't know the exact distance, um, but it's really not too far. Um, but this well um, belonged to a drug dealer, the same drug dealer 
um, that was friends with Danny and Jeremy Jones, Charles Kreider. Um, he had this well and also a house that was demolished. Um, but, uh, the search that went on turned up nothing. Um, and unfortunately, um, the girls were not found and they still have not been found. Many more tips have come directly to Lorene on Facebook, but none of them have turned out to hundred percent convict, uh, one single suspect. There have been people that have been, um, there's been a, an older gentleman, um, that was, was convicted. And I believe, um, there was some substantial evidence that, um, basically said that he was guilty. Um, but other than that, I don't know that, um, there was anything, anybody else that was linked to the crime. Um, there were a lot of twists and turns in this case. And, um, as I've like researched and like watched different documentaries, there's always um, different aspects as to like who did it. Like, do you think that maybe the police department were involved, or you know, was it a drug deal gone bad, um, or even a family member that was at the house um, that night? Um, so many different variables and so many different ways that you could go with it, and. Um, there's just, there are some answers, I think, um, but it's, it's really unfortunate in the, in the way that the girls have never been found, and there are posters all over Northeast Oklahoma, and even in Kansas, um, basically saying, if you see these girls, please let us know, and there's a $50,000 reward, and it's really, it really saddens me to think, you know, like there's some, there's got to be somebody out there that knows something and actually knows where they are. And if, if so, they really like it, it, it would be such a, a good thing to do, obviously, to like come forward with that information and like let the authorities know so that these families, um, the, the Bibles and their surviving family of the Freemans, um, they can get closure and, um, just be able to move forward and, and not have to wonder what happened to their daughters and not have to wonder if they're alive or not. Um, I know that the Freemans, um, I believe that they basically declared Ashley deceased. Um, I think it was in 2010, but the Bibles are continuing to look for their daughter. They, they believe that she's out there and they're not going to stop looking until they find her, but um, that concludes today's episode. Um, if you liked it, um, let me know and I will try my best to do some more true crime episodes. And, um, you know, uh, if you have suggestions for uh, the next episode, uh, the next true crime episode, please feel free to let me know because I would love, love, love to make my listeners happy. And, um, I guess I will see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Bye.